Chapter 20, 7.05 p.m. Even through the eyes of the jaguar, the rainforest was dark. But oh, the things I saw, gliding like a ghost along the jungle floor. It was like some incredible theme park ride. Like one of those haunted houses, where each turn of the little car you're in brings you face to face with a new goblin or ghoul or skeleton. But it wasn't dead spirits that I saw on my trip through the rainforest. It was life. Life in more shapes and types than you can imagine. Huge snakes, twenty feet long, and as big around as the branches they hung from. And snakes so tiny they could almost have been worms. Monstrous insects, beetles the size of your fist, and centipedes as big as rats, and rats as big as poodles. At least, they looked like rats. And frogs in bright, warning, touch-me-and-die colors. And ants everywhere, some marching along in columns, with each ant carrying a piece of leaf ten times its own size. Lizards that shot past, flashes of green. And what I assume were salamanders, like lizards, but in brilliant, slimy colors. And overhead, birds and monkeys and more birds. We'd been blind as bats, stomping through the rainforest in our human bodies. We had seen nothing. But the jaguar saw and smelled and heard everything. A million species of life filled the forest around us. Forms of life stranger than anything that had come from outer space. Incredible, insane, brilliant life, all fighting to stay alive, all working to grab one little piece of the rainforest. It was overwhelming. For a long time, none of us said anything. We were discovering a world we had never even guessed at. It was as if Polo and his people had been transported to a shopping mall at Christmas time. They would have been amazed and stunned at all the things man creates. Now, the reverse was happening. This was the world the Jaguar knew. And it was the world that Polo and his people knew. Their shopping mall at Christmas time, filled not with all the things man makes, but with all the wild, amazing, insane, extreme, shocking creativity of nature. And every time I thought, well, I've seen it all, the rainforest would answer, Kid, you haven't seen anything. Take a look at this bird. Get a load of that flower. Get a load of this creature. Little human boy, I have more to show you than you could see in ten lifetimes. Okay, Rachel said, breaking the silence at last. I take it back. I don't want to pave over the rainforest. I don't care if it is dangerous and deadly and it's trying to kill us. You have an amazing planet, Axe said. Amazing. Surprisingly, it was Cassie who reminded us of our mission. We have very little time left. We have to get to the blade ship. You're right, Cassie. But I thought you'd be enjoying this, I said. This is the ultimate nature walk. Yes, it is, she said softly. And the Yerks want to destroy it and anything else they can't use on this planet. I'm not going to let that happen. So let's haul butt, find the blade ship, get back to where we should be, stay alive to keep fighting. Because no one, man or alien, is messing this place up while I'm around to stop them. Yes, ma'am, I said. I see lights up ahead, Marco said. From high above us, I'm over the lights now. It's not a village. It's the blade ship. And guess what? They dragged the bug fighter here, too. Something about that fact, 
that the bugfighter was with the blade ship made me uneasy. There was no reason for Visser Three to have his people drag the two ships together. There was something wrong. Something I should see. Something I should realize. But I shook it off. My problem was that I needed a plan. It was time to think, not time to worry about things that made no sense. <laughs>